0: We're chronicling video game history year by year on Octal FM, and this time it's the turn of 1989, the year I was born. Uh, let's chat about some of the games from this year that particularly stand out to us. Hello and welcome to another episode of Otzal FM. I'm Gelada,
1: and I'm Sevran,
0: and we're back with our recurring segments, uh, our year in gaming segments. This time, the year of my birth, nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Uh, so, needless to say, I've not really played any of the games on this list that much. <laughs> I think a few of them on the honourable mentions. You must have done, though, right? Mm.
1: Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And this is a, like I say, recurring segment. We've we started in '85, mm. uh, and we are making our way forward. So I suppose eventually we will catch up with ourselves, and this will just have to become a yearly segment rather than a, a you know. Oh
0: man, we'll have to find something else to go and.
1: <laughs> I mean, in fairness, the fact that we seem to do maybe about like four or five of these a year. Uh, I think we'll be at it for a while. Yeah, but who we've got, knows?
0: We've got plenty of time yet.
1: Maybe we've got some hardcore listeners out there who will be with us the entire time, and yeah. we're calling you out now for when we do. You know the episode on twenty thirty five. But it, 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 as we've said in all the ones previously so far for this, it's not a comprehensive list. No. So this is just games that we feel are important to both us and the gaming culture as a whole so these aren't necessarily like the top scoring games or they aren't necessarily like the best selling games typically speaking those are the ones that find their way into the list just because they were the ones that had the most influence but not necessarily in case of one of the choices on our list today actually is probably one that you may not have even heard of Mm. and there's also no necessary order to them so yeah, the way we're yeah. talking about them is just sort of the way the notes came up really more than anything else so there's no instancing of favoritism yeah uh, and we also we try to choose the first instance of a game's release mm. as well only because otherwise especially early on where the games are having like you know two three year gaps between say releasing in japan mm. and then releasing in the rest of the world uh i mean like famously for example we've already talked about it with final fantasy the original one like it was three years later that they came Mm. out in the in america and by that point i think the second and third game had already been made and released yeah you know so it can get kind of confusing so we're trying to stay with like just the first instance
0: of the game being released on whatever platform that was also we're still really in like the platform wars here you know with like lots of different types of personal computer and console and all of that kind of thing as well so there's lots of you know this is the kind of era where games are ported to like 20 different platforms yeah especially <laughs> in the, the
1: home computing market like, yeah it's not just a couple
0: of these it's not just you know is it on xbox and playstation it's like yeah is it on the indigo sgi workstation <laughs> which
1: apparently one of the games
0: that were on my list is yeah. so there you
1: go figure that go figure that one um and we're also going to mention specifically what the major platform was Mm. because again like you said if we sat here and discussed about every single iteration of a game in some instances we'd be here for the whole episode yeah Um, (laughs) for some of the most obscure home computers you've absolutely never heard of because we certainly had it either before the research
0: yeah exactly um and it's funny you mentioned like not necessarily talking about the best-selling games but actually our first honorable mention is one of the best-selling games of all time right Mm -hmm. and that's tetris which wasn't technically released in 1989 like there were Other versions in 1988 but like the tetris on the game boy was 1989 and that's it was a it was a tie-in with the game boy yes it was a it was up for it was competing for time with one of the other games on our list uh but tetris tetris was the tie-in uh and yeah i mean it 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 sold a lot of game boys and i think overall i
1: think it was 35 million copies on the game boy Mm. uh which you know even well, not even just, even just days, just in general, that's in the same number. Yeah. You know, like to try and consider how many copies of that game is, it's basically just every single Game Boy ever sold had a copy of Tetris with it. Yeah. Uh, and the reason people bought Game Boys was for Tetris and that yeah. was basically it really. Yeah. So, but the thing is, like I said, it didn't technically come out this year because it came out in previous you know, platforms prior to that, and it was developed in like 1984. Instead, so yeah, it's a little bit of a complicated one. We thought it was just probably a, a, an honourable mention, really. Yeah, uh, another one that's worth talking about, but I, it just doesn't necessarily do enough differently to warrant a full discussion. Is Strider?
0: Mm. Have you heard of Strider? I, I've not heard of it. No.
1: You might recognise the character. He's sort of like a, a cool badass ninja dude with a ridiculous right. sized sword. Okay. He appears in things like the uh, like crossover franchise fighters. You know things like your Marvel versus Capcoms and things like that. Yeah, occasionally, it, it's just a really nice looking arcade beat 'em up game. Uh, very very cool visuals, unique style and setting to it. Very satisfying combat. It's just sort of like you're scrolling left to right, sort of like em up platformer. Think of it like ninja gaiden but mm. if the characters were bigger and the screen was just much prettier and it right. wasn't quite as brutally difficult
0: right 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 makes sense another one as well was alex Kidd. Mm-hmm. uh we, this is sort of the era of mario being very successful and sega trying to work out what to do about that alex kid was one of their one of their attempts uh we're still a couple of years away from sonic mm-hmm. um so so alex kid was the was the was their attempt I vaguely remember playing Alex Kidd on my childminder's
1: son's Mega Drive, right? (laughs) And I remember being like, oh, this is so cool because there's, like, all these cool power-ups you can Mm. use, right? It's like you can get, like, a little, like, you know, airplane and there's, like, a, Mm. a pogo stick you can use and... But then, like, in hindsight, I look back on some videos when I was doing the research for this episode, and it looks pretty trash, honestly. (laughs) Um, So I don't know why it's got this. I mean, I guess it's just nostalgia speaking, but it has this quite strong cult
0: following Mm. of people that really love the game. But honestly, it doesn't look that good anymore. Speaking of cult followings, uh, Mother, Mm. right, also came out in 1989, but we didn't. Didn't come out of Japan until 2015. Yes, um, when when it was on the Wii U, uh, and, and Mother is the is the predecessor to Earthbound, which is effectively Mother Two, uh, and yeah, we we've just perpetually either wanted Mother or Mother Three, uh, like it's been like something that gamers have wanted in the West forever. Uh, I think what was interesting is that the original
1: Mother, so this one was was translated, but just never released. Right, like, so it got an official sort of like you know localization effort by Nintendo of Japan. And they just never left Japan Mm. because they didn't feel it was going to sell very well, I guess. Which, in Venice, they're probably right, if I'm honest. Like, in 1989, a game like it was, because it's very weird and
0: very quirky. Mm. uh, I I think they're right. I don't think it would sell very well. Yeah, agreed. One game that did sell well that we're not going to talk about uh, is Prince of Persia. Yep, I I would definitely have covered Prince of Persia on this list, except that we've already talked about it in episode 108 when we talked about defining platformers and we talked Mm -hmm. about the rotoscoping animation and, you know, all the kind of interesting things about Prince of Persia from like a technical point of view and just sort of how it, yeah, pushed the genre of platforming along. Um, So, but worth noting that that came out all this way back (laughs) alongside Alex Kidd, uh, Prince of Persia.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which franchise is still going today?
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: Another one, which I had only heard of on the very... Vegas of Periphery sort of thing, just, just just occasionally heard mention of it, and that's Herzogs Vie. I think I pronounced that correctly, mm-hmm. and it was a Mega Drive game, which is kind of considered to be one of the earliest examples of RTS mm. gameplay, which is crazy, Was when you watch the, the, the footage for it, yeah, it, it's just a really, really simple RTS yeah. game, but... It came before some of the most uh, well-known precursors as things like uh, Dune Two, for example, right, yeah, which yeah. is often considered to be the the, the quintessential original RTS, RTS game before yeah. things like Command and Conquer and Warcraft mm. came along, which we've talked about in previous episodes already. But I mean, it's really clunky. Like it, mm. it's it's exactly what you imagine a a really limited. Uh, mega drive game to look like anyway and then on top of that trying to control like units at the
0: same yeah. time is like yeah
1: it, it it's very clunky but the ideas are there so you know credit where credit's due
0: yeah there's a lot of sort of like experimental interfaces and user and inter- you know ui and stuff coming into games in 1989 and actually some of our main games that we're going to talk about we'll, we can dive into that a little bit more because you really start to see it and then finally, just one, uh, like, little nod,
1: I suppose, less of a, This is certainly not a game, but it's very gaming-related, was the film The Wizard. Have you not seen The Wizard? No. Now you're playing with power? Nintendo no. Power? No? Uh. It was a film made in 1989, pretty much as entirely as a marketing tool for Nintendo, to hype up two primary products, and that was Super Mario Bros. 3, mm-hmm. which at this point still hadn't released in America, yep. which we've already talked about. And the Power Glove. You remember the Power Glove, I do remember
0: the Power Glove, yeah.
1: And how it was just horrendously bad and didn't work. Yeah. But it was, like, a big Christmas, you know, thing to have that year. Uh, The film is not very good, if I'm honest with you. It's exactly what you imagine, like, a late (laughs) late 80s, early 90s, like, kids film. Um, It's incredibly yeah you 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 know it already i've already described what it's like if yeah. you just close your eyes and see it but it's kind of funny i suppose. i can see the it's adverts kind of for it right now <laughs> oh bleh. it's uh, you can hear the adverts where you can hear that that very traditional uh, yeah. voice actor from the from the early 90s yeah but those are just sort of our honorable mentions for games that we feel are worthwhile chatting about mm. very briefly just to give give a
0: nod to their importance to the industry at the time and the first game that we want to dive into a little bit more detail on is populous Uh, which came out in June of 1989, originally on the Amiga, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also ported to like the Acorn Archimedes, still around in 1989. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Atari ST, the um, obviously to eventually to DOS, and like mac os um eventually mega drive and snes as well like yeah crazy
1: um it's, it's pretty surprising that a game like this actually made it all the way to like games consoles yeah this is to me very much like a pc enthusiast game right
0: because now like we said about talk when we're talking about Herzog's 5 like we're, we're we're getting to the point now with like interesting user interfaces and if you mm. look at a screenshot or some video of Populous, the original Populous, it's like you've got this like little map area that you're looking at and then you've got like loads of button, loads of buttons you can use yeah. around the edges it's, and it's all isometric like the whole interface is isometric it's an absolute UX nightmare yeah and it's like this is the th- the thing is is like no one there were no like really any standards for like no. user interfaces <laughs> at this point so when you were making a game like Populous you were also inventing user interface like you were like <laughs> yeah. coming up with new stuff that you know was that we just didn't have established standards of like this is a menu this is how labels work this is what a mouse looks like you know like just yeah like you were literally inventing that stuff and programming it yourself as well like they had to there was no tooling available to like automatically make these user interfaces they had mm-hmm. to do the whole thing from scratch so yeah very interesting it's 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 sort of the early days of peter molyneux before i mean you've written here on the notes before he went extra crazy but i mean i think he was always a little bit mad yeah um, he was <laughs> it was made by bullfrog productions so you know the the, the theme like theme games uh mm-hmm. dungeon keeper and things like that um populace really like was one of the first examples of like a god game right yeah. a game where you are like influencing things you're not necessarily in direct control of stuff so it sort of differentiates itself a little bit from early rts in that you're not actually really directly controlling units mm-hmm. um you're you're more controlling you know, you're doing stuff and then the game stuff is happening in the game based on what you've done. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's fairly common in many games now of a similar sort of ilk. But this was very much the
1: first time mm-hmm. where you were relying effectively on the game's AI right. to win
0: for you. Yes. And you just sort of had to change the parameters by which the AI operated by. Yeah. And you could like, you know, be like, tell people to like, oh, they should sort of rally around this area or you know yes, things like that. Yeah. Or give people like general overall orders um but you weren't kind of like clicking on units and and telling yeah, them to you do certain start things. crafting this no exactly exactly and it's funny because one of the games that i'm i really spoiler alert for whatever year it came out i really want to talk about settlers 2 whenever we get mm. to whenever we get to settlers 2 because settlers 2 is an rts that was a that actually was inspired a lot by Populous because it or it too had very little in the way of direct control, but it was much more of an RTS than a god game. You know, you built buildings and you had roads and, you know, you attacked enemies, but it kept that like no direct control type thing. You know, you had more like rally points and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and and all the units just kind of worked automatically and you just sort of built the economy and it kind of ran. Uh, and I re- always really love Settlers, like the early Settlers games, you know, see a lot of its inspiration from early populace
1: they're all sort of very similar in that sense, aren't they? Where the enjoyment comes from working out how you can sort of best manipulate things mm. uh, rather than having that, you know, that skill of micro, so to speak. Right, exactly. You know, it's not so much about that. It's They're
0: more puzzle games, I suppose, than anything else in yeah. a way. And they're um, a bit which more is... like, you know, taking a step back. They're a bit more like armchair games, you know, where you're yeah. sort of like, you're thinking about it a bit more, you know, thinking about um, some of the games, that the other games that Populous has influenced, like Uh, you've you've written down here creatures which i think is a really interesting point like creatures is like a it's it's not really like a pet simulator it's more of a like life simulator little with yeah it, you know it had very very complicated and interesting ai i would actually love to do an episode on creatures one day um, it's crazy how complicated everything was i find creatures to be to be you know fascinating you know it had like it's like a proper like neural network like creatures yeah. had like yeah, it's, it's crazy how advanced it was it was simulating little brains uh, yeah you know, for these <laughs> things but that was also very hands-off you know you 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 didn't have direct control over stuff that was going on you had to just kind of like Put things down and hope that stuff happens, and black and white as well. Like a lot of black and white was quite hands off.
1: Yeah, I and mean, that was the same team, wasn't it? That that's that's yes. also yeah yeah. yeah. Was it Bullfrog still, or was oh. it Lionhead Studios? At oh no, point? black and was... white is Lionhead. You are right. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. But still, molyneux right? Uh, yeah, um, being being weird, but the game was not pretty to look at. In fairness. But one game that was reasonably pretty look at all things considering actually, mm. was a very similar game to it, but kind of in a different, different genre. So rather than being a god, you were the best, next best thing in a modern c- civilization, <laughs> which is a city planner. <laughs> uh, and that was Sim City, yeah, um, for the Mac OS and the Mega initially.
0: Yep, and it was released on lots of other things, and it was on DOS and Windows. Um, and I think SimCity, of all the games on this list, is probably the one that's aged the best. Like oh, the, say Like so. the original SimCity, because... And, and it's interesting how much of it just stands up today as, like, the way that all SimCity games basically work. Uh, you know, in the sense that you have zoning, you have, like, natural disasters, you have police and crime and stuff like that. And it's really interesting, like... SimCity is is they struggled, I think, to even like market it as a game, and I'm not surprised because in some ways, like Will Wright was really big into like theory around urban planning and things like Mm. that, and like how to like model. Uh, model things you know there was lots of research into like modeling urban environments using computers and stuff like that and like some of that is in SimCity. you know like the the back of the manual has like a bibliography of further reading that you can go and read about urban (laughs) planning and and, that's awesome you know modeling and stuff like that like it's really yeah really interesting that like how technical it was much more technical than populous Uh, you know this is actually something that is a proper you know in some ways a proper simulator and
1: that was actually evidenced at the time where when it initially came out. It, it didn't sell well, actually. Mm. Like, it was a very, very slow start burner because I think one thing that was confusing about it was the fact that it kind of looked like a piece of software yeah. rather than a game. Um, particularly the macOS version because yeah. it was in that very, like, typical old Mac uh, black and white look. Mm. And it looks really nice, actually. If you, if you look back at it now, it, it's aged better than probably the, the Amiga alternative, in fairness. Mm. But it, it doesn't look like a game. And I would say many people at the time probably wouldn't even think of it as a game because games then were, you know, well, they were Mario, Mm. you know, that they were, I don't know, like things like Lemmings when that comes out on a PC, Mm. you know, things like that, not urban planning. Um, But then I think slowly people realize, actually, this is really fun. It has a really rewarding like feedback loop of like, I do a thing and then these things grow, you know. So, and you get a much more tangible sense of improvement In this over something like Populous, which is sort of like segregated into individual levels where there's like one thing you have to go over here, get these people to worship you. And that's the end of it. Whereas in SimCity, you're playing the same map level, whatever, for, you know, countless hours and Mm -hmm. slowly building up a city and improving it and, and sort of problem solving and problem shooting and stuff like that. And as a result, you you feel much more attached to your little city as well, mm. uh, which I don't. I can't think of many things that would have done that. Even like board games at the time, for example, where like weren't quite like this as well. This is this is a very long long drawn out game this is sort of the same thing and obviously the same sort of people creating these sorts of games are also being influenced by, other, by each other as well but it reminds me of the very early like d- days of things like civilization as mm. well that's not out yet but not far off at this point and i imagine someone like sid meyer has probably played SimCity and went i want to do this but on a grander scale mm. you know
0: yeah yeah exactly it's interesting like we're definitely getting to that point now you know with Populous with SimCity, where we're sort of really st- stretching out that you know what is a game and what can you Mm. what can you make into a game and you're right like SimCity is sort of an early example of you know something where you know there is that like feedback loop that short feedback loop where you've sort of like grown your city a little bit you've tuned this little bit and then before you know it six hours have passed and you yeah you're just still faffing around but yeah so two very like populous and SimCity two very kind of like breaking new ground new genres you know really stretching what you can the way that you're like interacting with a game. But moving on to something a little bit more, I guess, traditional from a game point of view, uh, and that's one that is probably is well is definitely the most obscure on this list, uh, and that is Sweet Home, right?
1: Have you you heard of Sweet Home before this? I had not heard of it, no. No? So it's often considered to be the the forerunner and the initial creation of the survival horror genre Mm. within games, Mm. Um, to the point where Resident Evil or Biohazard was literally made because of this game. Because the guy who made Sweet Home wants to do it again, but in, like, nice 3D. You know? Right, right. Um, so, so it's it came out in uh, very late in 89, 15th of December, um, so just about barely qualifies to be this year. <laughs> uh, and it was on the Famicom, not the NES, because it never left Japan, and it still has never left Japan officially. The reason for that is because, as I said, it's, it's a survival horror game, and I honestly imagine that it was just impossible to bring it over to the West, given nintendo's censorship rules yeah. at that point i mean how many times have you seen them like censor something really stupid innocuous in games like removing a cross from like a legend of Zelda link yeah, to the past I mean, or something like we've that we've got one of those coming in our in our last game on the list exactly where things are just randomly changed this game wouldn't even be allowed to be shown pretty much if you follow those same sense of things. Cause it's pretty gruesome in places. Like mm. it's certainly not a kid's game by any means, but I don't know. Japan just has a very different approach to things like that than yeah. it does in the rest of the West. So it's never left, uh, l- never left Japan, uh, even now, uh, even on like virtual consoles or anything like that. Um, it was made by Capcom. So as in a resident evil, like we already said, and things like street fighter and mega man and things like that. Um, And, yeah, so it it was very loosely based on... I say loosely based. It's basically a better version of a film that inspired the game. Right. It was sort of like a film tie-in, effectively. Mm -hmm. Um, The film is not particularly good. It's it's kind of like a a B-movie Japanese horror film, where a group of people go to an old abandoned mansion, and it turns out the mansion's haunted, and gruesome things happen to them, you Mm. know? Like, it's a very standard affair. But the game was made at the same sort of time as the film was being made, and as a result, they used some of the set design of the film, and they also talked to the kind of director, the producer, and some of the actors on the film to get a feel for it. And they really tried hard to kind of recreate this very gruesome horror atmosphere in an otherwise incredibly limiting looking game, such as like, you know, a Famicom game. Mm. And one thing that I think is really interesting is that this also sort of like reinvented the horror game to be something that was a game rather than just sort of like reading a book. Because horror games weren't necessarily new at this point, but this was an actual game where you had party members and you had items you had to manage. Mm. And it kind of reminds me of something like um, a point and click adventure game, right? Where you have like different items that you have to use in different places and stuff like that. But it, it was an actual, there was an RPG mechanics to it. Fairly basic, you know, but you had experience and you had items and you fought monsters and stuff like that. Yeah, so there was like, still um, a game mechanic to play.
0: Or like interactive fiction as well, right? Like from mm. what I was looking at, from, from some of the footage I was looking at, you know, you like look at things and it describes them to you. You know, yes. that's very like interactive fiction style.
1: And it's it's such a shame that it's never managed to make its way out of Japan, because I feel it really would have influenced a lot of people mm. when if they'd initially played this. I mean, it would scare the crap out of some people, because <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not a lighthearted game in the slightest. But it, it's just really interesting. Um, and it's such a shame that it never got a chance to. So there are, um, like, fan... Translation sort of things out there, you can get like fan ROMs or things. Um, very very grey area. If it's never available outside Japan, is that legal? Don't really know. If I'm honest with you, probably not. <laughs> but I mean, don't, I don't know know if think Capcom. Gonna, I, I was going to say, I don't think they give a damn for a game that's like thirty years old or whatever. Yeah. Um, so i i'd recommend giving it a go if you're even remotely interested in sort of the birth of the survival horror genre i mean you think how many games that's now influenced by that you know that's a big part of the gaming landscape now mm. whereas up until this point it was very much its own thing and the fact that it was also just like it was officially a movie titan game yeah you know? like when was the last time you heard of a movie titan game being any good at all <laughs> yeah
0: exactly it doesn't really happen very often <laughs> well, from something that is kind of a, a movie tie and horror game to something a little bit, well, probably the most traditional game on this list. Yes, uh, yeah. and also one of the first video games that I owned, uh, and that is Super Mario Land on the oh, Game Boy Classic. The game Boy was definitely the first games console I owned mm-hmm. uh, and Super Mario Land was the first game that I had for it. Uh, it was the start of a trilogy of Game Boy games uh, and you, you know you had six golden coins which was the second one and then I can't remember the name of the third one. I, I know that three? the Wario 6 Golden Coins is sort of
1: considered to be sort of the, the best one.
0: The second quote, one yeah. yeah.
1: But this one does have
0: such a wonderful charm to it. Yeah, and it's interesting. It was like it's it was the fourth best-selling Game Boy game. It doesn't feel like many other Mario games. No, it's uh, a very unique feel to it. It was actually made like, it was the first Mario game where Shigeru Miyamoto wasn't involved. Okay. Uh, and it was made by the... It was made by R&D One, which was, like, the internal Nintendo R&D team yep. who originally made the Game Boy hardware. They also yes. made Metroid and Kid Icarus. So they, like, knew how to make Game Boy games. And they yep. also knew how to... Because they, because they made the Game Boy. And they also know how to make games. Um, it was... Go, as, a, as I mentioned before, it was going to be the, 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 like, pack-in title with the Game Boy. But that ended up being Tetris and yeah if you play it now especially with like loads of mario games in the world it doesn't feel like a normal mario game like no the, it breaks for some conventions quite a lot there's some there's some really yeah there's a lot of bunch of there's a lot of interesting different things it's it's sort of opts for what i would describe as a, like a tiny sprite grid in the sense yes. that like everything is very very small Um, to give you the same amount of view that you would normally have, if not more, than like an NES Mario game. Yeah, and
1: and we've seen, you've mentioned this in the notes, I think it's a really good comparison, that we've seen the opposite of this occur, where they've tried to kind of give sprites the same level of detail, but as a result have a very small screen space within like Metroid 2. Right, exactly. Where like, Samus looks great in that game, but you can't see more than like five foot in front of you, because as a result of it. So they've kind of opted for the opposite effect in this, in that they've zoomed out as far as they can and made Mario and made
0: all the enemies and everything very, very, very small so that it looks like you have more space
1: to maneuver around.
0: It. Yeah. And there's a lot of challenges with and actually that was the only one that they did it with. They they dropped to the like Metroid 2 style. They did, yeah. Um, for for six golden coins. But in Mario Land as well, like because everything was so small, that makes it feel different. But also it means that there's a lot of things that you can't do or you have to do differently you know for example like the goombas look a little bit different and the mm-hmm. coo- the cooper troopers aren't cooper troopers and they they don't have little shells that move around because everything was just too small for that kind of thing you had
1: like what five pixels to draw yeah. something like they, so you know.
0: it's, it's, it's it's really interesting looking at it now things as well like because of the fact that it's like you know, the Game Boy had four colours, green, grey and two other variations of green and grey. Like you couldn't have one ups because you couldn't tell the difference between a one up mushroom and a and a like power up mushroom. Yeah. 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 So he had hearts instead. And yeah, it was it was weird, you know, and like like very, very different to to other Mario games, past and and, and future.
1: I'm really glad on the notes you've mentioned is we're at the music as well, because yeah. I can I can hear the music in my head right oh, and yeah. find like and, it's, it's weirdly iconic despite the fact that it's a relatively
0: small part of the mario franchise yeah and like the music the the, the tracks are really short because it's on the game boy you know they're, they're what like 45 seconds before the yeah meet. you know very very short short tracks um it's quite there's only like 12 levels it's quite short there's no save system or anything like that and the world that the worlds are all like influenced by real worlds like you have like yes. an egypt themes place uh yes, china theme yeah. plays i don't i don't think i ever completed it as a child um i, I don't think i got to the end it was quite tricky especially if you're young it also had like side-scrolling shooting elements i think even the final yes. boss was like a side-scrolling shooter yeah yeah um, I,
1: I vaguely remember having to fight a big lion
0: yeah yeah that's one of the early ones yeah, yeah, yeah exactly uh, yeah exactly so very weird very odd very
1: out of character for a Mario game and you can see that Miyamoto wasn't involved because I don't imagine that this would have gotten past him in that sense it
0: feels different in the same way that our like in the same way that like Doki Doki Panic but the Mario version Um, yes in the same way that that's different like this is another one that's like a bit kind of quirky and even to be fair Six Golden Coins was also kind of weird. Like, there's a lot of weird stuff in that, even though it looks yes. and feels a bit more like a normal Mario game. Well, like, don't you go inside, like, the intestines of a whale or yeah, something? This, yeah, and also just, like, the, the power-ups and the music is a bit weird and, yeah, everything. <laughs> Strange game.
1: One game that also takes you to some very strange places around the world, and out of this world in some instances, actually, was another tie-in game, funnily enough, um, and this one's got a real storied history history to it as well, and that's DuckTales. the the old classic cartoon show from what well, was not was donald duck that was it, it was Sc- scrooge mcduck yeah
0: isn't it yeah uh, sort of like that uncle and his yeah his
1: yeah his, his little nephews. nephews is
0: huey dewey and louie that's yeah. right
1: yeah um it's crazy to me that like this was an era where and we still got this as well coming up in another few years well where licensed games were still good <laughs> yeah right you exactly. know you know, there were still really good, like, license-packing games. Yeah. And it was before the issue where, like, they went, oh, well, it'll sell regardless of who cares, yeah. you know. And this one sort of still stands up to the test of time, today, to the point where it's had, like, numerous remakes. Mm, like, they've yes. had sort of, like, you know, um, remastered versions of this game, but they've also had, like, full-on remakes of this particular game as well. Mm. And... You can see its inspiration in games like Shovel Knight, for example. Like yeah. Shovel Knight takes a huge amount of inspiration from DuckTales mm. as, a, as a platformer, the way in which you move and the way that you attack. And it, it's, I, I just can't believe that this came from a game based on a cartoon show. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah,
0: it was Capcom again. So two yeah. games from Capcom on this list. Uh, and actually, I think the reason why it was so good was because a lot of people who were involved in Mega Man were involved in creating DuckTales as yes. well. And you can really see it like it's got like a level select at the start. Mm-hmm. So it's non nonlinear uh, and all the levels are very different in style. And just the kind of like feel of it in terms of like the controls and stuff like that is also very kind of like draws a lot of inspiration from Mega Man.
1: It's also got some of the best music, right? Yeah. Like honestly, some of the the, the pieces of music now I can still hear in my head, clear as day, <laughs> no question at all. Like the famous one is the Moon Theme. Yeah. Uh, when you go to the Moon, like I can still hear that right now. Mm. And not only does this sound good, it looks good as well. Yeah. I, I, you really can tell that this was done by a, a group of developers that really knew their stuff.
0: And I think this is probably why licensed games at this point were still good is because they're being created by like. a team on you know in these companies in these in these development studios studios, because they probably don't have much of a b or c team at this point because you're just not making that many games and there's not that much experience to go around you know to sort of like commoditize making games you're still talking about obviously there are obviously there was lots of shovelware and and rubbish but like you know it there was a lot more space for the teams that make the really good games to also make things like movie tie-ins and these would have been big money as well.
1: Like, you can mm. imagine games like Mega Man, for example, albeit very popular, probably were still somewhat of a gamble for things like Capcom, mm. you know? Whereas, like, when they've got Disney coming up and going, hey, make us a game, please, based on one of our cartoons. Here's a shitload of money, mm. you know? That's They're going to go, yep, cool, no problem at all. But the people who are making it aren't seeing that money, so they're just going to make a game... Like they'd always make a game, yeah. You know, so I guess that's why, isn't it? And, whereas now we get the opposite effect, where they're like, "Well, we don't need to work hard because we've got all this money anyway already, and it's going to sell regardless because it's got the logo on the front of it, and yeah. that's it." Um Yeah, I, I there's not too much to say on that really, because it's a fairly standard affair. Like yeah. you've said here, if you've played Mega Man, then you've probably you already get a good like, good feel for the game. Like, yeah. there's. Just the enemies have a very similar vibe to them. The d- the design and layout of the way in which you move through the world have a similar design and feel to them. But it's just all wrapped up in this really neat package, which has really stood the test of time. And I can imagine that if you were a big fan of DuckTales back in the day, which
0: is pretty good cartoon, you know, mm
1: i can see this being like an absolute must-have for say christmas of that year
0: yeah yeah absolutely yeah i think the that like you say it's it was just a solid kind of platformer you had the like bouncing on the polo stick kind mm-hmm. of mechanic which was sort of unique and and really kind of helped cement its its feel as ducktales uh and it was a bit of a like collect you could collect loads of treasure right that was kind of the as well as the main treasure for each level you could also collect like um like loads of different things and there were loads of hidden collectibles and stuff like that um but it didn't really help much apart from your score and i think you got like a better ending if you got loads but yeah there was also a game boy ports of it as well which wasn't very good Uh, again like in the same way like metroid 2 like it like really scaled down yeah yeah, um and so it just didn't really work so well um but yeah really at the point of like you know strong nes platformers I, I actually don't know what comes up in 1990 off the top
1: of my head. I can't think of one mm. immediately. Um, but this is still going to stay the way for a little while longer. I vaguely recall there's quite a few games that we haven't gotten to yet. I don't know exactly what year they're in, but they're not far off around here. So mm. this really was like, you know, the golden age for gaming, you know, mm. at this point. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that these games are out and out better than the games we have today. But... No. <laughs> From the given relative standards of the time, you know, there were some real classics at this point. And mm. because you don't have the internet to really tell you what's amazing and what's available all the time, like sometimes you would randomly find these games just at your game store and you mm. buy them on a whim and then you realize actually you've got a real classic on your hands here. And I can only imagine how exciting that must have been. Yeah. Yeah, because we were still a bit young at this point really like you'd just been born i was about a year old at this point you know like i certainly hadn't got my first games console for another like four or five years yeah. you know I, I think my first games console was uh a game gear you know oh, man. um <laughs> we'll get to that we'll get to the game gear <laughs> <laughs> um you know so i can only imagine how exciting it was for people sort of like you know in their I know, maybe like late teens, early 20s who were getting into these games at that time. That was that's been really exciting to sort of mm. like work out what was coming next. And, you know, every, every month you'd be reading your magazines, your Nintendo powers or whatever. And, I, I can you know, just
0: imagine that you, uh, you would have like the wrong pc you know like you you've oh you know, god yeah. like you've got the thing that nothing gets ported to you know you're waiting forever <laughs> for the atari port of something or you're waiting for the archimedes port for, the, for sim city or whatever i don't know like it's and just your
1: parents just will not buy you the, the most yeah like it's Commodore like oh, you 64. just feel like you picked the
0: wrong one and full, your friends have got an amiga and you're still waiting for your pc engine to <laughs> like, get the latest versions of something oh man uh, i'm so glad that that's not a thing anymore oh yeah. god
1: Although then again, in fairness, it is in some instances with hardware requirements, I suppose. Because yeah, back then, yeah. if you had a game and you had the, uh, the the console that it was supposed to be on, it worked, didn't it? Simple yeah. as day.
0: Um, but yeah, maybe we've missed some from 1989 that you remember, uh, that you think we should have t- spoken about. Um, or maybe you've got some thoughts about the upcoming years uh, that you want to feed into and tell us about your game of 1990 or 1991 or whatever. And the
1: experiences you had with it as well, because mm-hmm. just like we said, like these games then were important but mm. not just because they were good but because of how influential they were on people making games like we've already mentioned it earlier with things like Populous and sim city how much they influence game designers making games for the next 20 30 probably mm. plus years you mm. know like sim city is the reason that we have the sims mm, right you know for yeah. example Populous is the reason that we have things like you know black and white and spore
0: yeah you yeah, know. absolutely. So and catch us again for another episode yeah, of Octal FM. So tell us what you think very influenced
1: soon. the game industry and influenced you, dear listener. Oh, yeah, man.
0: <laughs> Tweet at Octal FM on Twitter or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Octal Wonderful. And until then, until next time, I've been Gelada. And I've been Sefran. And catch us again for another episode of Octal FM very soon. When we
1: enter the 90s. Oh, totally rad.
0: (laughs) 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 You know what I thought for a minute there was that you'd also gone and got some water and I just started recording and you weren't even there. (laughs)